Hello. Welcome and thank you for joining us and listening to our podcast, The God Beyond the Bible. Our podcast is released weekly each Friday. The content of each episode is based on the questions and curiosities we all have about God and the Bible. Many of our topics are considered taboo in the minds of the mainstream church. You will find our discussions to be, I think, refreshing and often far from traditional. But we don't just skirt around these complex issues, but confront them head on, and not in the way you're used to hearing them discussed on typical Christian talk shows. I'm Alan Rowland, creator and host of The God Beyond the Bible. As of the launch of this podcast, I've been a pastor for more than 35 years. My co-host is my daughter, Trayson, and our engineer, co-producer, is my daughter, Tabitha. Our mission is to encourage our audience, along with us, to open our minds to the reality that God is simply too big to be fully explored or experienced by the reading and studying of a single ancient work. In short, the Bible's not the sum of God, and to think this is to limit what He has done, is doing, and what He will do in our future. So with introductions made, thank you for listening, and let's dive into the topic of the day. All right, welcome guys to episode 99 of God Beyond the Bible. This is going to be our last episode on discovering our true identity. Tracen? Self or me? Who me is? Who me is. (laughs) (laughs) So our shout outs today are to our Canadian listeners. It is so awesome to have you guys on board. Yes, 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 yes. So do you have our quote? Oh, I do. Is it time? It is time. Oh, is it just because I thought you were going to name some? <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes, Canadian. Uh, I've already said this in a former episode, but still a, become a favorite quote of mine. Marcus Aurelius, a philosopher, uh, and he says, It never ceases to amaze me. We all love ourselves more than other people, but we care more about their opinion than we do our own. Wow. Very true. Okay, so let's jump right into it by asking ourselves the question, is it time for me to take on a new identity? I think we ended the last episode with that question, didn't we? Or do we just need to discover our true identity? Yeah. One group may say that when the people that we spoke of earlier received their spiritual name, that it gave them new identity. There's another group who will say it was not a new identity, but it was their true identity affirmed. Okay. So it's our opinion that much of our difficulty in life comes from having an external identity placed upon us that doesn't connect or agree with who we really are inside. This brings about confusion and frustration, and we may have tried religion and found ourselves even more confused and frustrated, especially in the Christian religion, where we must convince ourselves that we have no good and that we are purely dark and evil. And I think that's dangerous. It is. Uh, Now... Remember, I'm, I'm, I'm lost here. Page seven, number three. Okay, I'm completely lost. Some <laughs> believe that there's a struggle within, uh, from within over who is in control of our identity or I am. If we eliminate the titles and roles placed on us by society and eliminate ourselves as merely the sum of our life's experiences, what does that leave? Who are we? The truth is, we cannot discover true self from external experiences, influences. It must be discovered from within. I think it was the Dalai Lama who said, when I empty myself of all things, then I know who I truly am. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps if we think of ourselves as an organization or a firm or a corporation, who's the boss? Who's in control? <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> who has the final say in all things concerning our personal self? We may just discover that there is an internal struggle for CEO of the firm. 
Our ego self claims to be the boss and calls the shots. And ego self will fill this role <laughs> if our real self doesn't step up and do his job. Emotional self will gladly jump in and fill the role as chief officer oh, yeah. and final decision maker. But he really makes a mess out of it because emotion <laughs> is not supposed to be the boss. He is always Teddy. late and too wishy-washy. <laughs> uh, if given the chance, the body will gladly take control over all decision making and demand all other parts of the organization to yield to its demands and desires. We've all observed people whose life is out of control because they live life by carnal desire and fulfillment. This usually is displayed in addiction, overindulgence, in every conceivable fashion. Yes. The mind often com- often claims the role of <laughs> now, boss. Now, this is a tough one, too. The true I am. I think, therefore, I, it's the true I am, I think, therefore, I am kind of approach. Mm-hmm. Most of us don't realize that the role of the mind is to keep up the narrative of the storyline that we have adopted as our own. In other words, the mind connects every experience and event to our adopted storyline. The mind even remembers things the way it wants to. It does this by attaching emotion to an event. And what we really do is not so much remember the event, but we relive the emotions the mind has attached to that event or experience. Have you ever thought of that before? I want to play one for you guys. That a lot of people don't realize, and they have proven it through study after study. When you remember something that happened to you when you were five, Mm -hmm. do you know you're not remembering what happened to you when you were five? I know. I'm only remembering the last time I remembered it. Yes. And I didn't remember it the last time. I didn't remember it the same way as it actually happened. No. So if you change one tiny detail this time, it becomes a concrete memory fact. Mm-hmm. The next time you remember it, and things can really snowball out of control. People that way. in the court system, in the justice system, will tell you the human memory is the most unreliable source of evidence that there is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not because people are liars. Well, just try this next time, especially those of you that work with customers. Um, try and take note of the color of someone's eyes the next time they come in. And then about 20 minutes after they leave, ask yourself what color their eyes were. And you can convince yourself they were most any color yeah. because it just slips away. Well, and, and back to what, uh, uh, I don't know if you just read that or Tabby just read. Uh, but what we don't remember the event, what we do is how many of us started at, I remember how I felt. Yes. Mm-hmm. You remember was, the so see, we're letting emotion. I was so excited. I was so <laughs> yeah, scared. Yeah. I was. And the mind will demand attention and usurp control. Yes. The mind is actually a very unstable part of the firm. <laughs> it works in really close connection to the physical self and the emotional self and the ego self. And therefore, it perceives and interprets everything by screening it through a false self filter. It's not our eyes that actually see. Our eyes just send a signal to our brain that screens it through the mind. And the mind consults all sorts of memories, ego self experiences and other things before it tells us what we're seeing. It's the same with our hearing and other senses. We see something that we can't quite make out and our mind is scrambling to give us an answer to what it is we are seeing, yet it may not be what we're seeing at all. I just reread that line. Sorry, guys. That's all right. It's the same with hearing. We hear a strange sound and the mind begins right away to throw out suggestions as to what it is that's making the sound. And then we have a monster under our bed. That's just me. (laughs) 
We may often discover that the suggestions of the mind weren't even close to the origin of the sight or the sound. And I'm going to remind us of Tabitha. There's a place on one of my routes that I go, and for the longest, and I did this almost every week, in the road ditch, there were three black bears laying there. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Even Tabitha rode with me once and said, is that a bear up there in the ditch? <laughs> The guy had burned us some stumps and rolled them out into the road ditch. And they looked, when mm-hmm. you drove around the corner, he never intended that. No, my mind would say, and it was a relief when Tabitha's did this, my mind would say, a bear in the ditch. <laughs> you know, and it had nothing to do. But see, my mind was just uh-huh. searching to connect it to something. To make it something. We yeah. had a spot, of course, we live in a really rural area where there are lots of wildlife that runs across the highway. And we had a place over on a about probably five or six miles from us where some folks had put a kitchen chair out beside their mailbox. It looked just like a deer. It did. I Everyone I know I... would slam on the brakes and go, oh, that's a deer. No, that's just the mailbox went, and the chair. It's fine. It, it sat out there for all that time and my mind said deer. Yes. Every, every time. time. That's a good example. Well, we're talking about the firm. Who's the boss? Is the firm a democracy that takes input from all the various players and takes a vote and then decides how to interpret the event or experience? That's kind of dangerous. It is not. <laughs> in the absence of true self controlling the operation, there's an internal struggle struggle going on to be boss. I've seen this in real life. In real fun. The truth is, we think that it's easier uh, to just go through life in the conflict than to discover who the boss really is. The boss was present before any of the experiences of life that lead to false identity. The real I am is who we were before this experience we call life. We are connected to the universal divine I am. What is that quote, Tabby? It's something like, maybe life isn't about learning to be anything. Maybe it's about unlearning all of the things that I'm not and becoming who I always was. That's true. That's true. There's been a mutiny of sorts, and our true identity has been subdued and silenced by all of the competitors for top position (laughs) in the firm. In each of our cases, we often don't live life through the authority of our real self. We have given one of the other selves reign, physical self, emotional self, ego self, mind self, and suddenly we find our life out of control, and our real life is just along for this frantic, out-of-control ride. Were we someone before we were born? I mean, our intellect and our dogma tells us that we weren't, yet even before we had little to no life experience at all, we had identity. People who've lost babies before they were born give those babies a name that will never be forgotten. There's a feeling of loss by the parents. We even say things like, God just lent them to us for a moment, as though they come from a place in God's control and are returned to a place in God's control. The truth is, There is a true self in each of us, and that true self came from somewhere. Often our true self is difficult to discover. It usually begins with meditation on on this topic. We're too often looking outward to discover who we are, and the truth is we must look inward. Well, that's the same about God. We're Mm -hmm. always looking for God in the external, Mm -hmm. and he's always, he's in there. We're looking in the wrong place. A little piece of us, uh, that is in the image of the creator is in us. The divine is in us. Too many of us are seeking God and identity from an external source when he was right within us all along. This is called awakening. 
because we awaken to the enlightenment of self-realization and God-realization. We have been conditioned to listen to the shouting voices from without and silence and put to sleep the real voice that was in us all alone. We encourage you to research things like spiritual awakening, self-awareness, and self-identity. Begin to realize that Christ came to remind us and show us how to discover the one he calls Father from within, not from rituals or organized meetings with lectures on external dogmas and doctrines. Jesus knew who he was, and he knew who each person he encountered really was. He knew when people weren't operating in their true identity, and he gave them not so much new identity as true identity. Do you think it works the same for us as we discover our true self? Do you think that we see other people's true self easier, like we can see through any facade? Or do you think we can always see through other people's? I think it's much easier to see it through other people's than your own. Well, it's it's the it's the speck in your brother's eye and the log yeah. in your own eye thing, I think, that, that goes There was to. a quote I read yesterday, and I can't remember how exactly it went, but it was to the effect of, remember not to fool yourself because you're the easiest of all to fool. Yeah, because your mind knows how to mm-hmm. fool you. Your right. mind knows how to lie to you. Your mind knows how to keep up the narrative, keep up the storyline. That's so. all your mind does. That's his job. That's the and the firm. The mind's job is to keep the storyline alive. Mm-hmm. When you change the storyline, you're going to find the mind... It's got all kinds of chatter and stuff to say, yeah. but it don't know what to say. It's 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 not lining up with what you know is true. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. Lots of stuff to lots of stuff to think about. So we can't force self discovery and identity, no. and it's often buried very deep in our false self. One of the first things a person must do is learn to meditate. And guys, meditation is a learned art. You don't sit down and just know how to meditate. I've had people say, "I tried that. I just couldn't." Use a guided meditation and the techniques that will teach us to quiet the chatter of the mind. And remember, like I said, it's a process. I'm still working on it because I have days where I'm meditating and then I'm making a recipe for dinner. And this seems to be so mystic that we're not ever taught this in the church to be no. still. We're well, taught to be. We're taught. We increase the chatter. Yeah. And I'm one of those people and I I tell you guys all the time, it's hard to shut my mind off. I'm always because Mm -hmm. I don't know how yet to fully live in the now. Okay. But let me say something to you. There's something, someone in you that can tell your mind to hush. Mm -hmm. Right? All right. Shut up. I'm sick of hearing that. (laughs) I'm sick of that loop of tape playing over and over. Just shut up. Who is that? I mean, it's true, but it has taken me where you guys kind of adapted to meditation and stuff really quickly. It's taken me a lot longer to get to that point where, and I'm still not fully there. For me, well, it you was know why? visual. Because your mind has been bossed for so long and mm-hmm. your ego identity so long. They're going to fight you. Yeah. No. Jimmy the boss. <laughs> right? <laughs> I knew that was going to have to be said. <laughs> so... Um, we use guided meditation and techniques that teach us to quiet the chatter of the mind because the mind likes to be the boss and the mind will do what it does ceaselessly in our conscious state. It will chatter and distract every attempt to Mm -hmm. be still. In most cases, the mind's never been trained to be submissive to anything. So it skips and chatters and jumps from topic to topic. And often the mind will replay an event over and over like an endless loop of video. And guys, I know that we think that we are being, you know, 
critical of things when we're replaying that, but it's really just our mind running away from yeah. it. Yeah. We're not analyzing. We're, and we're allowing it to do it. Mm-hmm. Instead of just saying, shut up. Right. <laughs> Be learning, still. <laughs> and learning to meditate really is essential to hushing the mind and discovering the true self that's buried within. Jesus often went and sat alone away from the business and chatter of the disciples. And that narrative often suggests that he was praying, but Jesus clearly knew the power of meditation and being still. Anything? Okay. Till next time, as always, may God's unconditional grace, peace, and love be on, in, and radiate out from each of you, our fellow seekers from all of us here at God Beyond the Bible. Did you enjoy listening to God Beyond the Bible? Do you have an idea for an episode? Connect with us today. Visit our website at godbeyondthebible.com, all one word, or send us an email at email at godbeyondthebible.com, or you can visit us on Facebook. Just type God Beyond the Bible into the search bar.